Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Go to the, before the Lord, I'm excited about Jesus. How about you? Yes. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. My goodness, this message is going to be revolutionary for your walk with God. I'm telling you. I don't say that because I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a cool guy. I tell you this because truth never wavers based on personality. I can have a really good personality, but truth is what's going to set you free. I'm telling you, guys, I've been pastoring for 25 years. The message on identity will rid you from probably 95% of a lot of issues in your mind and your emotions about life and about God because identity equals freedom. When you are revealed who you really are, you will be free. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Get your Bibles out. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And before I read, I'm going to give a review from last week. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for our new identity in Christ. All of us in this room, if we've surrendered our life to Jesus, we no longer view ourselves like the past or what other people have labeled us. But we are a brand new identity. We are hidden in Christ. And we thank you for your anointing to dig deep and release freedom in the hearts of people. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Before I read the scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to give you just about uh, two, three things about review from last week because there were some people uh, were not here. By the way, it's good to see some of the the regular RCC families that I haven't seen in several weeks because of vacation and because of New Year's, but it's time to go deep in the Lord now. New Year's over. Let's start strong and be, and listen, I want to share this from a pastor's heart. I want to challenge everyone here. Be faithful to church every Sunday. It's not about religious laws. It's about commitment. So be faithful to gather together as a body. So last week we talked about identity is defined by who you are, not what you do. Aren't you glad that our identity is not defined by your bank uh, statement or your, te- or your job title? Listen, even as a pastor, when people say, what are you? Oh, I'm a pastor. Well, you answer wrong if you do that. No, that's what you do. But what you are is a son of God or a child of God. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. It's going to set you free. So we talked last week that your identity is based on who you are, not what you do, not what your record is, and not what your job is, not what your income is, and not how successful or unsuccessful you are. Praise God for that. All right? Secondly, we talked about the real you is hidden in Christ. Remember that. We talked about being hidden in Christ, and that's the real you. Actually, the Apostle Paul says that's the real you. He says that's the real you, not the one that's sitting down right here taking notes. The real you is a spirit, and the real you is hidden in Christ. That's a phenomenon by itself. And then thirdly is, and I love this, last week we talked about knowing who you are in Christ will eliminate the identity that you get from other people. If you have a hanky, go ahead and wave at me. That was good right there. Because we get our definition a lot in this society by what people say about us, you know, about what, what people have talked about us. And we develop unconscious, unconsciously the, the, the reality of words. That's why we have to be careful with words. But today, I'm going to give you part two of, the, of identity, which in my opinion, this is probably, all of them are good, probably the most important one. All right? Are you ready with me? Ephesians 1, verse 3 Verse 6 in the, in the New King James Version, if you have your Bibles, get it out, your tablets, get it out. Um, it says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now watch this. He, having predestined us to adoption, say adoption, <laughs> by sons, that word sons is a plural in that, in that phrase. It doesn't mean masculine. It means male and female. That word sons there is including male and female. So he predestined us, think about this when it comes to identity, as sons and daughters, as adopted sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Oh, man, I'm excited. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Look at me. Look at me. It's one thing to be adopted by earthly parents with earthly benefits and earthly reality and earthly income. That's good in itself. When you're physically adopted in the natural, there are, that, that is saving a human being from having, not having a father or mother, and you get these earthly benefits here. That's one thing. But the thing that blows my mind about this scripture is that it's not a physical adoption he's talking about here. This is being adopted by God himself. That he predestined us, this is your identity, that you and I have been adopted by God. Now, why is that going to blow your mind? Because it reminds me of a story that I read not too long ago about actual laws that are in the United States, in certain states, not in all of them. But do you know that in certain states of this nation, there are laws that actually protect the adopted child greater than the biological child? There are laws that state in this nation that if you are adopted, listen to me, let me before I say that, that the, the adoption laws is if you write a will for, for a biological child, a biological owned child, that father or mother has the right to exclude the biological son or daughter, biological son or daughter out of the will whenever they want. But in certain states, once you're adopted and you're put in the will, you can never remove the adopted child from the will. And that made me think of spiritual adoption in the church today. In Jesus, when we were born again, we are spiritually adopted. We are automatically put in heaven's will, and we can never be executed out or erased out based on our behavior. We're still his sons, and we're still his daughter. Do you realize there's consequences for sin, but that does not change who you are. And you will have consequences if there's not repentance. But let me tell you this. There's certain laws that actually protect the adopted child more than the regular child. Are you kidding me? This is what we're entering in when it comes to being our identity as adopted. So listen, if you don't get anything in this next couple of weeks, get this. You are adopted by God. God signed the papers with his blood. He went to the agency and said, I'm going to purchase every humanity. And I'm not just going to cause them to come and, 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 and be cleansed from their sins. I'm going to adopt them. Yes, them. Nasty them. Wrecked up them. Messed up them. Sleepy them. Grouchy them. I'm going to adopt them as my own son and I'm my own daughter. And with that comes all the rights and privileges of the father. Do you understand that if you really understand this, you will not walk around with your head low because people of royalty know that their father is a king and their mother is a queen. And they don't look down because they know that royalty is running through their veins. 
And if you know this, you will be free from the way that you view yourself because you're a child of God. He adopted you by his blood. That's your identity, my friends. Your identity is that you're not just a Christian struggling. You're not just a a stepson or stepdaughter. You're his very own child by adoption by the blood of Jesus. How would your life change if you truly believe that this morning? Think about that question. How would your life truly look if you truly believe that you are adopted as one of his own children? How would, you, how would you do that? How would you picture yourself in that? So I have a couple of main points that I want to share with you today. I have about three points that I want to share with you about adoption that is going to set you free. The first point I want to make is this. In adoption, the adopted person is given full rights. Say full rights. Full benefits, say both full benefits, and privileges just as the own rightful son or daughter has. I'm gonna say that again. In adoption, the one, the person being adopted has full rights, full benefits, full privileges just as the natural son has. Can I, I'm gonna make you shout for just a second. This wasn't in my notes, this is for free here. If someone, I've said this before, but it just fits to where I'm, I'm leading into. If someone does something horrific to your daughter or to your son, and you kill them back because of what they did to you or to your son, that's, the society calls that vengeance. Say vengeance. All right? So if, if you do something back to someone that did something bad to you, then that's called taking revenge. And that's a whole other sermon. Jesus said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We, tough guys, tough women, we want to take vengeance on our own self. And that's, the scripture doesn't say that. You could try to say it, but it doesn't say that. So, number two, if someone did malicious things to your daughter, malicious things to your son, and you put them in jail, call the cops, and you put them in jail, now, and you don't kill them, although we want to kill them, that's called justice. Say Justice. That means justice has been served. They get locked away, and then justice serves them however the law will have. But if that person rapes your daughter, that person that killed your son, that person did horrific things to your family, if you not only forgive them, but if you invite them to your house and let them sleep in the same bed that your daughter slept in and that he took and, and sleep in the same room that your son did that he took away and put the same clothes on that he took away and put the same food on and have access to everything, that's called adoption. And when you are adopted, we are the people that crucified Jesus. Humanity did, not us personally, but humanity did. And he still says, I'm going to adopt you and you're going to have heirs with my son, Jesus and you're going to be, have what he has, and you're going to have access to what he has. You say, well, I don't deserve that. You don't, but the blood paid it for you. And now you have to see yourself worthy as a son and daughter. Because if you do, my friends, you will be free from depression. You will be free from loneliness. Because you said, you realize, I have access to unlimited resources. I'm here to tell you some news. If you're not free and you walk with God, it's not because of God's resources. It's because of our inability to tap into them. Now watch this. Galatians chapter 4 in the NLT. Let's turn there. 
I'm going to get more excited than you at this. I'm telling you, you're going to get a revelation that you're adopted. Not, you, know, you know, can I just say this? While you're turning to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, we in America, we've been Christianized for centuries. So when we hear the words adoption, and we're like, oh, I heard that before. Yeah, I understand that. We sing. By the way, all those songs were intentional. I got with a worship team, and we want to create an atmosphere that even through worship, you realize your identity, who you are. And so we sing songs about father. We sing songs about adoption. We think, sing songs like, I'm no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. And we're like, man, that is just an awesome reality. My friends, it's more than awesome. It's life-changing. <laughs> it is life-changing. Do you realize you have the spiritual DNA of, of the Lord, the Holy Spirit living inside of you? I'm not saying you're deity. I'm not saying you're God. But you have his attributes. My goodness. You have the blood of Jesus. You have angels in charge of you. What are we afraid of? I mean, what are we afraid of? Look at this. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Oh, this is powerful. In the NLT, verse 1 through 7, it says this. Paul says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though, look at this, they own everything their father had. Can we read that? If a father dies, leaves an inheritance, those kids, until they receive that inheritance, they're, they're still walking around as slaves because they don't know that spiritual millions of, of spiritual benefits have just been deposited into their bank account, spiritual bank account. But just they just keep on going. And the Bible says th that won't really change them. They have to grow up until, even though they own everything that their father has. That's, that's ridiculous. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could, here's this word again, adopt us as his very own children. Say, as his very own. And because, this is going to be good now, and because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart, prompting us. This is key right here. Say prompting us. Prompting us or stirring us to call out Abba, Father. This is key. Some of you guys don't know where I'm going. The spirit of God in us is actually prompting us deep down inside without you knowing us to relate to God as father, as papa, as daddy. That may have not manifested in many of you, but there's a deep groaning in every believer's heart that needs to relate to God in an intimate, fatherly way. And I know that that is hard for some people who grew up without a father figure. It's hard to relate to God as father because we see it as a moment of weakness let me just say this i heard the lord say this yesterday and i'm going to repeat it he told me to say this while i was studying you can have a father in the home and not have a father in the home you can have a father in the home and not have a father in the home you could he could be in the home but there's not the intimate setting of welcoming whether it's too busy whether he's absent whether whatever but let me tell you something the Lord wants us to identify him as father. And I'm going to break that down in a second. Then he says this, and because you're his own child, lastly, and since you are his child, God has made you his heir. That's not A-I-R. This is H-E-I-R, -E -I -I heir. 
which is spiritual royalty. What does that mean for you and I to understand identity? Spiritual adoption in God's family is saying that we are his very own child. Listen, and when we were his very own child, please hear me now. Instantly and automatically, faster than a millisecond, our identities got swapped. As soon as we became born again, we instantly got swapped with our identity. And listen, instantly we had spiritual royalty in our, in our bodies, in our life. Think about that. Think about who you really are. I have never seen Jesus walking with his head low in defeat because he always knew who he was. And you have to realize that the air means this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The word heir, H-E-I-R, because the Bible says you are heirs of Christ. Say, I am an heir of Christ because I'm adopted. Say that again. I am an heir of Christ because I'm an adopted. Now watch what what the biblical meaning of heir means. In Messianic terms, I'm going to read it to you. And in biblical terms, an heir is one who receives their portion and benefits through their identity and relationship as sons and daughters. Only sons and daughters could be true heirs. I'm going to read that again. An heir is the one who receives their portion and their benefits through the relationship and reality of being a son and daughter. Think about this, my friends. Freedom in, freedom in identity is realized and I believe three main point of views. I'm not going to give them to you. Freedom, when it comes to your identity, can be realized. You can access the freedom when it comes to your identity based on three categories or three realities. Number one, it's not going to be on the screen, so just follow me, is number one is how God views you. You have to go and search scripture to find out how God views you. He doesn't view you, hear me now, as a stepchild. He doesn't view you, you know, I'm going to be transparent with you. One of the conversations I've had with my wife years ago is that we, we wanted to adopt. And my fear, uh, my initial fear, other than it costs a lot of money, <laughs> was, and I, can I be transparent with you, is, am I going to love this adopted child as much as I love my son? I'm just being real with you. Am I, am, am, will I have the capacity to genuinely love this adopted son equally like I love Jonathan and Jaden? Will I, will I show favorites because he's the, my blood son and then treat him like a stepchild? And unfortunately, most cases, there is that reality in, in, in that dynamic, but not in the kingdom of God. When you're adopted, do you know that the Bible says that the father loves Jesus just like the father loves us? The Bible says that in John chapter 17. So we have to figure out how God views us. Hear me now. Hear me now. The cross of Jesus did not only reveal our sin. The cross of Christ revealed our value to him. Come on. Did you just say? We have limited Jesus going on the cross for some dirty old sinners. Yeah, we were sinners. And yes, we needed salvation. But the cross of Jesus did not reveal only our sin. It revealed our value to him. Because he was willing to be naked and hung because he values you as a son and daughter. And he knew that, that, that adoption will be complete at the point of the cross. Do you know that the cross reveals your value to him? Not just your sin. 
I never would go on a cross for any of y'all. I love you. But I'm not going to go on a cross for you. Jesus did. Jesus went on a cross to reveal the value. So number one, you have to realize, how does God view me? Guys, do you see how liberating this is? With, when you know this is about your identity, that, that, that God views you not as a stepchild, not as a leftover. He views you as one of his own. One of his own children. Oh, my gosh. That, that enough, we could just close the service and go home. That's enough to set you free. The second reality of identity that will set you free is not just how God views you, but how you view God. How you view God is also a determining factor to access freedom when it comes to identity. Do you view God as a tyrant? Do you view God as a distant being? Do you view God with a whip in his hand or a belt in his hand? Every time you mess up, you say, I told you not to do that again. Get away from my presence. Do you, do you look at God that way or watch this, or do you look at him as a father? Now, I'm preaching to you, but you guys know that some of these issues you have to realize that you have issues with. Some of you are mad at God because your view of God is perverted. You're mad at God because you view him as your problem or the one who didn't save the day or the, pro- or the one that didn't stop the divorce. And you're looking at him as the one who was the problem instead of the one who answers the problem. Thirdly, the way, the, the, the way that you get freedom when it comes to your identity, not only is how God views you, not only how we view God, but watch this, how you view yourself. I'm going to say that again. Three main things in identity will set you free. How God views us. Say how God views us. Say it this way. How God views me. How I view God. And how I view myself. Now, how do you view yourself? Think about this. See, this is all freedom in identity. If you don't know who you are, you'll doubt your self-worth. Yeah? Am I preaching good? So, do you, no, 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 watch. Do you view yourself as an orphan? Some of us, we do in the kingdom of God. Let's be honest. We, we may not say I'm a physical, but you, you inwardly feel, I'm just, I'm so bad. I sin all the time. I'm so messed up. I'm just an orphan. Or I'm just a stepchild. I'm, I'm that redheaded stepchild that God just has to deal with. That's how we, we, we laugh, but that's how some of us actually think about ourselves. We actually think, there's no way that God could accept me after all the stuff I've done. Or do you see yourself as a son? Do you see, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Do you see yourself as a daughter? Because if you do, my friends, condemnation will never have its place in your mind. Never. Never. Does it say that you're perfect? No. But you'll never struggle with condemnation and shame again. Today I was outside in the parking lot, and I like to get here early and study. And I'm studying, and all of a sudden I get startled. My son, Jaden, hey. I'm like, hey, how you doing? And I'm studying about adoption. And God says, don't mess it up this time. You messed it up yesterday. Don't mess it up again. So I was like, hey, how you doing, buddy? And you know what he said? This is his son. Son, okay? He says, I want to, no lie. He goes, I want to pray for you because I want you to be good for when you preach. So I opened the car door and he, he laid hands on me and he started praying. And I was saying, look at what confidence he has. Even interrupting me in my studies. Why? Because he knows he has access to me. He knows 
his identity that even though daddy sometimes is cranky when he's studying, I could go there and break the rules because he's my father. He's my daddy. And I have no rules with my dad. I could come whenever I want. The father doesn't say, hey, come at 11 o'clock only from 11 o'clock to 11.30. And if you get that, you better watch out. You know what First John says? Put it up there on the screen. First John chapter 3 says this. This is a phenomenon. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Behold what manner of love. This is, in other words, look how much God loves you, okay? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. What? Therefore, the world does not know us, but it did, uh, sorry, but it did not know him. It says, what manner of love does God have that we are called children of God? We're called his children. That, in other words, the writer here is saying, do you realize how much God loves you? That he's actually considering you his child. He's actually labeling you. That's my boy. You know when, when you're in the football games and, you know, and you're seeing that guy run like 70, miles, miles, 70 yards for a touchdown, and you're like, that's my boy. That's my boy right there. You get proud because goodness and greatness identifies with you. But he says you're his child when you do nothing. Jesus, when he just finished, when he was in the River Jordan and, the, and John the Baptist was coming and he's going to baptize Jesus. Listen, he baptized Jesus and when he baptized Jesus in the water, of, of the, the voice of the Father came out and said, Behold, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. And I'm thinking like, what did Jesus do? And the answer is absolutely nothing. I thank God I'm not God because if I was God, I would want a resume of why you want him to be listened to. Like, give me something. If I was God, I would be like this. Behold, this is my son who I'm well pleased, who just cast out 3,000 demons and raised 5,000 people from the dead. And everyone was like, whoa, he's pretty good now. And then, and he healed 10,000 people yesterday and he just rose up 500,000 people from the dead. Then, of course, with that resume, then he will say Listen to him, because that's why I'm pleased with him. He goes, this is my beloved son, I've not, that I'm well pleased. And in that time, he had not done any healing. Uh, he had not done any preaching and anything. Why, Father, are you pleased with him? Because his identity is not based on what he does and who, is who he is. He is my beloved son, and I want you to listen to him. Why? Because I said so, and he, I love him. God, this is liberating. Do you realize this? Listen, we are, we are that wild branch, according to Romans 11. Those of you who know the scriptures know what I'm talking about. We're that wild branch that got grafted into the original branch. We're that, we're that, we're that, oh, that messed up, like, oh, get out of here. Shut up. No, no, shut up. I don't, fool, you, what's going on? And, and here's the holy branch going. <laughs> and we're like, I can't beep, beep, God. And God's like, you know, I love you so much. Come over here. I'm going to graft you with this one. And now you're part of this original tree. And here's what happens when you get grafted in. You get the same spiritual sap and the spiritual benefit of that tree that's been flowing from that tree. And you know what that spiritual sap is? It is the fire and the love of God that belonged to the Jewish people. Now he's including us to everyone. I'm going to say something shocking. He views us the same as he views his people in Israel. He has no respecter of person. When we're grafted in, he sees us as sons and daughters of the king. Oh, glory to God. That should make you excited. Listen, it's, it's like this. I'm going to give you an exa example. It's like a homeless beggar, right, who's been begging all his life. Come here, Chris. Can I use you as an example? Come here, bro. 
give it up for Chris in the house. He didn't know I was going to do this. Come here. He's one of my spiritual sons, right? So, Chris, I want you to just kind of just, just kind of just put your head down like this. I want you to just be there. Just, yeah, just right there, right? All right, so I'm over here, right? <laughs> the announcement, the announcement of him being a millionaire or the, real, the realization that I just put millions of dollars in his bank does not change him until he knows what I did for him. So imagine a beggar, he's there like that, so he doesn't know. Right now he's a beggar and he is uh, homeless and he is poor and he is begging for money. What he doesn't know is just I'm a part of his heritage and I just deposited $10 million into his bank account. Watch this. I just did it right now. That doesn't change who he is right now yet, yet, because he hasn't accessed the proper uh, revelation to access who he really is. When he realized, see, me depositing something didn't change him. It's him getting the revelation. Listen, you're a millionaire. You don't know it. I just deposited $10 million bank account. <laughs> see what happens? Truth does not change you if you don't apply the truth. The application and the knowledge of truth will change you. But if you just have knowledge and you just have truth without application, it will never change you. Give it up for, for Chris. Amen. The beggar is us. We were begging and we were lost, but Jesus through his blood made us spiritual royalty. But it's up to you to search the scriptures to realize who you are. Could you, you, what a waste it would be to know that you have $10 million in your bank account, but still live the way of a beggar because you didn't renew your mind to find out who you are. Think about how your life, how much regret you would have at the time that you leave this earth knowing that you could have lived differently. But you just didn't know what was in your bank account. Spiritually, it's the same way. You don't have, listen, God did it one time and he doesn't have to do it again. It's over. He didn't say to be continued. He said it is finished. Come on. He said it is finished. That means that you're position as a son and daughter is finished. You just have to walk in it. You have to surrender in it. Can I hear an amen? The spirit, the next point, the spirit of adoption. Here's the main part that I want to get for the next 10 minutes here. The spirit of adoption is going to be on the screen, allows us to see and relate to Almighty God as Father. The spirit of adoption, I'm going to say it again, allows us to see and relate to Almighty God as Father. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, hear me now, became of utmost importance. Now, this is a revelation for some of you guys. The Holy Spirit's ministry became of prime focus when Jesus went on the cross and ascended to heaven. Now, G the Holy Spirit left off where Jesus left off. Now, what did that mean to you? Jesus' main responsibility, other than show us the love and redeem us from sin, was to show us the nature of the Heavenly Father. Hear me. Hear me, because no one has seen the Father. Everyone for years has treated the Father at, with austere and prestigious titles like the Holy One of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of David, the Holy One of Israel, Almighty God. For centuries and thousands of years, people will relate to God as a, a very respectful term, which he rightfully deserves. 
they called Abraham father, but that nature of God Almighty being father, it wasn't truly known or revealed until Jesus went on the cross. Now watch this. Jesus' job was to reveal the father to humanity. So when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to humanity. But they both point to a loving Father. Because if Jesus' job was to reveal the Father and the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus, they both reveal the Father. And I love good old, I love Jesus and I love the scriptures of the Bible. Remember Philip? Philip was up there and he's like, I love the disciples because they were just so raw. I mean, they were like, they're literally, they're like, why, why you got to do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And Jesus is like, homeboy's dead, bro. He's dead. He's not sleeping. I, I, I said he's asleep for your sake, but he's, he's dead. Well, what do you mean he's sleeping? And they were just raw. They didn't even care. So here's one time Philip is going out there, and they're all talking, and Jesus is like, hey, listen, uh, I, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. And so, so as, he's, as he's talking to, to the disciples, he said something very powerful here. He said, if you know me, you know the Father, you, you've seen the Father, and Philip, Philip didn't get it. You know, Philip is like, well, what do you mean if you're the Father? We've never seen the Father. Yeah, 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 you already know the Father, you've seen him. And, and Philip goes, listen, if, if just, just show us the Father, bro, just show us the Father, and we will be happy. <laughs> and Jesus, how many, I'm going to age myself here. How many used to see different strokes? Remember different strokes? Come on, I love that. He did a, he did a, he did a what'd you talk about, Willis? So Philip was like, just show us the Father. And Jesus goes, what are you talking about, Philip? He goes, haven't you been with me so long and you still don't know me? He who knows me knows the Father. Now what? Look at that scripture up there. Look at the scripture that I'm going to share with John chapter 14. John chapter 14, I'm almost done. I'm going to have you see something at the end. Are you getting something this morning? John chapter 14, verse 9. If you're there, say Amen. If you had known me, look at what Jesus said, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him, Philip. Think about that. From now on, you have known him and you have seen him. Philip was like. (laughs) Has a father been hiding behind the bush or the tree or something? Like, I haven't, what do you mean? I haven't seen him. (laughs) And Jesus is like. He goes, look. He goes, Jesus said. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? Watch this, guys. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Let me tell you something. One of the titles of the Holy Spirit, are you ready for this, is the Spirit of Adoption. One of the titles of the Holy Spirit, he's paraclete, he's, count, he's counselor, he's teacher in some verses, but one of the titles is a Spirit of Adoption. Now watch this. The same groaning... And same cry that was in Jesus when he was crying out to the Father. It was the Holy Spirit, it was the Spirit of God in him that was burning and groaning for a Abba reality. That same Holy Spirit is now in you. And that's why the Bible says it's prompting us to cry out, Abba, Father. There's a deep revelation waiting to explode inside of you to call and relate to God as Father. 
and you will never be rejected by him. You want to be blown away? Do you want to be blown away by this statement? In order for you to be blown away by what really is happening here, I want you to imagine with me 2,000 some odd years ago and that all of us are living in the Old Testament. All right? All of us living in the Old Testament. We know God as, as, as mighty, as God of Jacob, I, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we refer to God as that. And now Jesus is with us, and he's talking to us about how to pray and how to relate to, to God from this point forward. You have, to under, you have to put yourself in those, not in, not in the, the mindset that we are, that we've been trained so much to hear like, not nice, cool Christian buzzwords. Back in those days, that was not a reality. So Jesus comes, and, and the disciple says, hey, Jesus, we see the connection that you have with God. We want that closeness. We're not sure we ever knew that. We've only knew him as this incredibly powerful God, but you know, that, that will bring vengeance and bring justice. Can you, could you give us a little clue what's happening? And I love what Jesus said. He blew everybody away. He goes, okay, boys, come over here. Come over here. You want to know how to relate to God? Here's how you're going to relate to God from this point forward. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. The God of the universe, the God that created the world, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of David, the God of Elisha, you are going to call him like this. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, we say that, and it's repetitious to us because we know it by memory. But do you realize that was the shock factor of the world at that moment? Because he said, our father. Hold up. I'm going to shout for a second. Jesus is like saying, I'm going to share my daddy with you now. It's not just my father. Everyone knows he's my father. But now I'm saying to you, he's our father. And that's why the Bible says he's the firstborn of many brethren. That means when we become born again, we become children of God just like Jesus. And then he says, it's not just my father anymore. I want you to dress him as our the word Abba is the most intimate word for father. He's saying Papa. He's saying Daddy. He says, I want you to call him that. And I want you to see him that. Because if you don't see him that way, you will never, ever know the true meaning of a relationship with Jesus. Hear me now, guys. You want identity? Strip yourself off of the works mentality. Strip yourself off from performance-driven identity. And look at God, not with a whip in his hand, but as a father saying, come. Almighty God, the ancient of days, he's Abba. He shook the world when he said, from now on, you're going to address Almighty God as Abba. Guys, I want to challenge you to release this in heaven and on earth today. That this is the reason why God, the devil hates us. I'm going to show this one last point and then we're going to watch a short clip. Being sons and daughters of God enhances our position. Oh, this is going to be good. Being sons and daughters of God enhances our position in heaven and earth. Say, enhance my position. Here's a good part for you. Ready? Buckle your seatbelts with this one. Does it matter what your condition is? Because you know your position as sons and daughters, your condition will never hinder your position. You could be broke in the next two days. Your condition could change, but your position never changes. Your condition for the, your financial realm, you could get fired of your job today, and in two days you're wondering where you're going to, and your condition could drastically change, but your position will never change. You could, you could be 
bankrupt tomorrow and still be a son. You could still, you could lose your job and still be a, a daughter. You could get rebuked by somebody and still be a, son, a, a daughter or son. Why? Because your position never changes. Your position is enhanced in the kingdom of God. Your position is a son. I, I saw... I saw Super Bowl coaches' kids go get free passes to anywhere they want because they recognize that's the coach's son. So you don't touch them. Do you realize this is why the devil hates you and I so much? Hear me now. You're going to shout. I hope you do. If you don't, you're going to get excited. The reason why the devil hates you is not because he just hates people all the time. It's because he thought that he was going to... He thought he was going to get rid of the image of God when he crucified Jesus on the cross. He said, I'm going to get rid of the Son of God. I'm going to get rid of the image of the Son of God, and it will be over. And the reason he upset is what happened, and it birthed billions of people with the Holy Spirit in them, that now he has to obey the name of Jesus through his kids. Come on. Through his kids, now the devil sees a whole bunch of people looking like Jesus. He's like... I thought I got rid of them. Now through the Holy Spirit, through adoption, now you're a son of God. You're a child of God. And you, just like Jesus, can say, come out in the name of Jesus. And the devil has to go. It's like this, it's like this little kid and, 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 and trying to confront this big old gangster. And he's like, I told you not to do that. And, and he knows that this is big old father lion is behind him. And he's like, I told you, get out. You better get out. And that big old tall person is like... Yes, and, he, and, the, and the little kid is like with his chest big, big, bigged out. Why? Because of the fact that he knows that he is in Christ. So you have to realize what, G, what Jesus did when he adopted you, you're his child. That means the devil has to obey those who are his child in relationship to Jesus. Now, don't try to speak the name of Jesus as some magical word and have no relationship with Jesus and think that there's going to be just power in that name. There is power in that name, but it's through sonship and daughtership. Let me tell you something. It is through your, your position as sons and daughters that you have the name. Here, here, I'm going to say something really revelatory here. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. In other words, I'm not a reject. Jesus said, I'm not a mistake. I'm not an accident. I, I'm not without purpose. I come in my Father's name. Why is that significant? Are you ready? Because Jesus said, in my name, I'm going to give you a revelation. In my name, you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Watch, I'm going to get, tell you something. In my name, you shall speak with new tongues. In my name, you, sh you shall cast out demons that have to obey, obey you. In my name, you shall drink something, and, it, and it's deadly, it will no, no, by no means harm you. We as a church have actually misconstrued that statement by saying all we have to do is live carnal lives and just say in the name of Jesus, like a little Lysol case spray can, and that demons have to run away. That's not what Jesus is talking about. When he says, in my name, he says, you're hidden in Christ. So watch this. That statement is not vocabulary in context. It's positional in context. In other words, he's saying, in Christ, then you have a sonship. You are a daughtership. In Christ, then you can cast out demons. But you can't cast out demons. You can't lay hands on the sick if you're just saying the name without the adopted principle of you're a son and a daughter. Why? Because the book of Acts tried to have someone do that, and that demon rose up. That, listen, there's somebody that was looking at Paul the apostle and all the disciples cast out demons by the name of Jesus, and they're like, well, that is pretty powerful. You know what? By the he was he was he revealed himself stupidity. He's like, by the Jesus that Paul preaches. 
He didn't even, he didn't even make it personal. He goes, by, by the Jesus that Paul preaches, I cast you out. And the demon rose up. I know it sounds like a horror film, but it actually happened in the Bible. The, the demon rose up and said, Jesus I know. And Paul I know because they're sons. But who are you? And the Bible says that the demon came out of that man and started attacking that man. He went naked, beat him down. Why? Because you can't use the name of Jesus like a Lysol case spray. Kate Lysol can. <laughs> Whatever. You can't use the name of Jesus without a relationship with Jesus and without being a son or daughter. But if you are, you have authority because the image of God is in you. Let me tell you this. One of my favorite stories. Please hear me now. I'm closing. I love Disney movies. But I really love Lion King. One of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. And I, listen, I'm going to say something really weird. You think, you think it's going to be weird, but it's not. One of my favorite things is The Lion King. When, when Mufasa, I mean Simba, is running away. I want you to go ahead and have cue this video. He's running away from his calling. He's running away from his past until he finally realizes, hear me now, he's a son of a king. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.